0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Hello and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with us, and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. Before we get to the show, I just want to mention a few things. Initial Ascent Packs, they're awesome. I used a 2K all last season. Still using it now for stuff. I'm going to be using it for uh, training, for uh, prepping for my hunt and getting some miles in with some weight on my back. And I just recently picked up a 6K, and it's going to be awesome as well. Plan on using it on my elk hunt along with the 2K if I'm doing some day hunts or something and having a base camp. But uh, if I'm packing on my back and going in there, depending on where I'm at, I'm going to be using that 6K. Uh, Dennis and Joe are amazing people. What's awesome about that company is you can reach out to them, and they're the ones who are going to answer your call and actually talk to you about their product. And you're going to even get a handwritten note from them thanking you for your purchase and uh, wishing you luck on that hunt. And I just find that is super awesome and amazing in this day and age to have somebody that does that for you and uh, actually hand writes a note for you is just amazing and uh, on top of that it's an american-made product and one thing about this podcast is and myself is just that anything that's american-made that i can support or get behind and it's a quality product i'm going to talk about it this is not a paid promotion i'm honestly just talking to you about an amazing pack so uh check them out if, if you don't have one or you're looking for a pack give, give them a try uh you'll like it for sure And then on top of that, we're going to talk about TreelineAcademy.net. TreelineAcademy.net is the most comprehensive e-scouting course ever, ever made. Mark Livesey is just an amazing, amazing wealth of knowledge, and he's willing to share that with everybody. So uh, check that out and see what's going on there with that. Use promo code PC2020. Save yourself 20% on sign-up. It's awesome. And uh, actually, it's not 20%. It's 20 bucks. Save yourself $20 off of sign-up. Then the next one I want to talk about is Basemap. Basemap app with their hunt data, the the online mapping system for e-scouting, setting waypoints, smart markers, Uh, So you have all your hunt data on the wind and anything as long as you have a cell signal. It's absolutely amazing. There's so much more that's coming out. They've updated their offline maps so they're way, way, way faster than they used to be, which I know a lot of people were actually kind of complaining about that, but now they're lightning fast. I've downloaded them, used them. It's awesome. On top of that, they've got some new updates that are coming out that are just going to blow you away. Can't talk about them yet, but we will be talking about them. So check them out. Use promo code pc twenty five save yourself 25% on sign up only on the website, not on the app. And with that being said, let's get to our show. All right. So I'm sitting here and I am talking to Brian Austin of actually a couple of different things. So Brian, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to introduce yourself and we will get, uh, get, get into this conversation a little deeper, man.
2: All right. Well, uh, Luke, thanks for uh, having me on here. Uh, like Luke said, I'm Brian Austin. I'm uh, the owner of GFB Outdoors and the Beast Mode Archery Challenge uh, based out of Wisconsin. Um, been doing fitness and archery uh, pretty much my whole life. So, um, yeah, that's where GFB comes into, comes into play. GFB Outdoors, Get Fit with Brian Outdoors, I do personal training, boot camp classes, and I kind of specialize in a lot of hunter fitness uh, classes, prepping people for Uh, the beast mode archery challenges and other hunter athlete events as well as getting people ready uh, for their upcoming hunts in the fall whether that be you know midwest whitetail hunting uh, backpack you know fishing trips and of course the you know the the elk hunts that a lot of us love to do and try to do every year so yeah
1: so brian i'm kind of curious i mean you're I know that you went and and started the outdoors thing, but was it always that way or did you just try and combine your passion with, uh, is it passion of fitness, passion of hunting? You married them both. What was the, what was the kind of driving force there?
2: Yeah, I would say it's, uh, I guess it's more of a passion for hunting in the outdoors and fitness is just something that I've always done. Uh, it's what I went to school for. I've been a personal trainer now for 20, 21 years, Uh, and, uh, I guess fitness was always, um, uh, an important role in my, in my life, uh, just to be fit and doing different activities. And then it wasn't until, oh, maybe six years ago when I started competing in the train to hunt events and that, that event, uh, kind of meshed the two together for me and brought fitness and my love of archery and bow hunting together and then i competed as a as a competitor for a few years and then eventually uh directed some of the train to hunt events and then that led into uh some of the indoor events that i do and now what is known today as the beast mode archery challenge
1: so. that's awesome so i got to say i think we're going to have to do a little private event cuz you don't really compete a whole lot anymore and i got a buddy <laughs> who uh another podcast buddy Kyle Mork and he yeah. said one of the reasons why he got so addicted to it, it was cuz he was competing against you and uh and he, he never quite beat you and he wanted redemption so i think at some point we might have to put on a publicly challenged event and have uh, have you go against them head to head um <laughs> you know
2: i i would absolutely love that cuz uh, <laughs> now that i've i've evolved my business into this i i miss that part of the events you know now instead of you know training for 2 hours a day uh I'm I'm preparing for the event in one way or the other, whether that be a social media post or coming up with uh some of the regulations and rules for the events. But yeah, my my training has significantly declined. Uh, you know, I still get out and practice with my bow several times a week. Uh I do my boot camp classes and I try to do my hunter fitness stuff when I can. But uh when I have 15, 20 people in that <laughs> class running around with their bow and arrow. I can't really be participating and making sure everybody's safe and doing the right thing. So, dude, I would I would love to do something <laughs> like that, but I just need several months in advance to train for oh. it. I'm I'm not at my peak uh, peak fitness like I used to. Now neither
1: so. am I due to the all the stupid shutdowns and all that kind of crap. Let's just face it; a lot of us aren't. Um, you know, and and I wish I could make time to go to go to the regular gym, but I dedicated just a little bit of time in the basement now and you know, bought some equipment to try and just keep going and pushing forward. Cause let's face it, I realized one day you step out of that shower and you look in the mirror and you go, Oh man, <laughs> what did I let myself get to? You know, um, I don't own a scale cause I don't really believe in trying to weigh myself. It, it's, it's more of, you know, your, your feel and how you feel that strength and, uh, all that kind of stuff. I mean, how do, how do you kind of measure your clients? Uh, right there. I don't, uh, I don't
2: personally own a scale, uh, most of my clients probably don't own scale. Some of them might do, and I might advise some of them to, to weigh themselves from time to time, depending on what their goals are or, or some of their health, uh, situations that they're in, but really in terms of, uh, of fitness and training for, you know, you know, especially for like elk hunting or just being active in the outdoors, I'm with you there. It's not really your weight yes, it's important to a certain degree, but it's more about your mobility and can you get around the way that you want to get around? Uh, Do you have the flexibility? Do you have the range of motion? But then also, uh, can you get up and down the hills or the mountains as quickly as you want? So that kind of all plays with uh, one another. And for the most part, if you're not getting up and down the hills as quickly as you want, then you're probably going to start watching what you eat a little bit better Uh, and not necessarily going on a diet. I'm not a big diet person but uh there's definitely a time and place when you should be watching what you're eating and eating different things and uh, or just being more active you know it's it's the old saying you can't out train a bad diet there is some truth to that that you know we shouldn't probably be eating ice cream every night right before (laughs) bedtime As, as much as we want that uh that does catch up to us eventually
1: so i've been doing uh the intermittent fasting thing right now, and I'm trying to go like 16 hours without food and just hydration to keep my body to get itself to repair and everything. What What's your kind of thoughts on that? Do you uh, condone yeah, it or I've, go against it or what?
2: I, I've done that. I, I think I've, I've tried to do that myself. Uh, I know people that have had great success with it. I know people that haven't had great success with it. I think each person needs to test that out and try it out on their own. For me personally, it's, uh, I didn't see a big weight loss. I might have felt a little bit better, but uh, just with my schedule, uh, when I was trying to get that 16 and 18 hour fast, I was getting lightheaded and dizzy. And <laughs> when I'm working with clients all morning long, uh, I get irritable <laughs> as well when I don't have food or something in me. So, uh, for the sake of, of keeping my clients around me, I've, I've had to, you know, limit my intermittent fasting, but I tell you what, after this past week and the amount of food I ate, I feel like I need to (laughs) fast for like two weeks. So, um, but no, I I think that there's a time and place for that. I think that, uh, that it's going to work for some people and it's not going to work for others.
1: Yeah. I don't know if Uh, I've necessarily, uh, actually shedded weight but just the fact that I force myself to hydrate more, um, you know, you're more cognizant of, of your intake when you're doing that. So, um, you know, I only only drink one cup of coffee now because if I drink any more than that, oh. I start getting jittery. I start, uh, you know, having all those other things and it forces you to drink it like you probably should be drinking it black anyway. Um, and, and then I noticed, though, that I hydrate more because of that. And then I actually feel better. I'm more alert, more awake in the morning. I mean, let's face it, our bodies are so dehydrated anyway from just waking right. up and doing the natural processes that normally what's the first thing people do? They go out, g- grab coffee, a diuretic, and they actually dehydrate themselves instead of rehydrating. And then they get that huge crash. So I will say from that standpoint, it's really made a difference in my lifestyle that way. But other than that, I don't know necessarily if it actually. Um, changes plus like the first week I did it I noticed that I was so hungry I'd, I'd almost gorge on food versus trying right. to uh, you know actually just eat my normal meals where you're actually just skipping a meal and, and uh, but I, I'm finally getting the groove of it but there was a point where I, I was at work and it was like week one day three and I started getting lightheaded dizzy all these different things and just almost feeling nauseous even and I told the guy I said a guy I was working with, and we had a place we had to go, and it was a super, super hot thing we had to go into and go work on something. And I go, there's a 50-50 chance I'm either going to puke or pass out. (laughs) (laughs) And he looks at me, he's like, oh, come on, Lukey, you can do it. And uh, we ended up going in and working out. And the heat actually, I think, helped me because, you know, and just the motion and the momentum, it took my mind off of it. Because a lot of times, let's face it, most people eat because they're bored. It's not because they're hungry. It's to pass that time. And uh, right. it, and it's also made me cognizant, especially in the morning, you know, I've got meetings and stuff going on. And it's like, the, in between those things, that's when the boredom sets in and you start eating things versus actually um, just focusing on hydration and doing other tasks. So in that aspect, I think it's worked pretty good for me.
2: <clears throat> yeah, I, I think, uh, you, you know, you kind of touched on a few things there. One, uh, that kind of reminded me that, Intermittent fasting is probably going to work for people that are just looking to make a change to be healthier, uh, maybe to try to change their, their weight or their body composition, but I don't think it's something that's great for people that are trying to train and be athletic for an event like the beast mode archery challenge event, uh, or if they're, uh, you know, putting on a lot of miles running or a lot of miles packing, I think, uh. You know, it's okay, but I think that they would benefit or have better performance if they were eating a regular diet than doing the intermittent fasting. That's just from my experience in working with people, but to each their own, and some people might have different results from that. But but back to your point about the one cup of coffee a day, I'm down to one pot of coffee a day, so <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm almost there, I guess. <laughs>
1: I, that's, that says something, though, because I am a not only a coffee junkie, but a coffee snob and most coffee that people drink, I'll turn my nose to it. And I, I roast my <laughs> own coffee. I, I, I grind my own coffee. I only drink coffee. That's been ground fresh. <laughs> you know, wow. I'm pretty bad about it, you know, but um, so it's easier for me because now I have to bring my own coffee. I press it out. I use the little arrow press and make my own cup but it's just a better cup. It's easier to drink it. I will say that it's easier to drink it black than, than the other stuff. But I mean, that's all, you know, health choices anyway. Right. Right. Um, Exactly. So I'm kind of curious, what's your take on intermittent fasting? Because lately I've, I've been, uh, getting up and running on the treadmill first thing in the morning and then, you know, hydrate the rest of the day until Mm -hmm. it's time for lunch. But what's kind of your thoughts on that?
2: Again, I I think uh, for for weight wise, for health wise, I think you'll probably be fine with that. Uh, You know, studies do show that uh, people, if you're training to be, again, athletic or for a certain event, you're probably going to have a better results by having something before that workout, uh, just to kind of spike up that blood sugar a little bit and give you a little bit of energy. But uh, it really comes down to, you know, and I've been asked a thousand and one questions about diet and exercise and stuff. And it really, there's not necessarily a wrong and right way of doing things. It all depends on what your goals and your objectives are and to match that with what your daily habits should be. You know, the daily habits of a marathon are going to be a lot different than the daily habits of a power lifter. So (laughs) I, I mean, sure. It, it, <laughs> yeah, you know, the work, the workouts of a power lifter isn't, isn't wrong or isn't bad. But if you're trying to train for a marathon, you you know, you probably should be doing different stuff. So that's why I say there's no wrong or right way. It just depends on what your goals and your, your objectives are, and the test, test things and play around with things, the whole intermittent fasting or doing workouts, uh, fasting, see how it works. You know, some people do great other people you know, they totally bonk halfway through it. So is it really worth doing that workout and you're not, and you're only doing half of the workout or half of the intensity as what you could be because you're fasting. That's still to be determined and to each person <laughs> to figure that out. So, right.
1: Yeah. Right. No, I will say mine's not a full workout. It's actually just getting on and doing a little bit of a run, but um, <clears throat> I'm kind of curious. So let's talk about like a hunter then what, um, are we i mean like high intensity uh different interval training what kind of stuff for the guy that wants to go out and hit the back country and hit it hard something like that what do what are you focused on
2: yeah so i guess you could break it up uh into you know seasons you know like we have winter spring summer and fall you could almost break your workouts to kind of match those seasons you know uh you should be i think the one Area that some hunters kind of avoid is is strength training. Uh, You know, in order to have, in order to be able to climb a mountain, you have to have strength. I mean, of course, you have to have endurance and cardio and stuff, but if you don't have the strength to get yourself up the mountain, uh, it's going to be a struggle fest. So I think a lot of times when people struggle, especially in the mountains, it's maybe not necessarily that they don't have the cardio, it's that they possibly don't have the strength, especially if they're carrying a a weight to pack on, which we probably are all doing that. So I think if people focused on building strength early in the season, uh, and then transitioned into uh, some longer pack hikes and building that cardio and building that base, and then adding in some high intensity training, something you don't have to do every day, but definitely at least two times, maybe even three times a week, um, you know, there's all that is playing on different energy systems in our body. Uh, we need strength to carry a heavy pack. We need cardio to be able to go all day along with stamina, but then we need the high intensity training because a lot of times, let's say we're going after that bugling bull and we have 30 minutes of light left. That's not really yeah. going to be, that's not endurance anymore. That's all high intensity. And you're kind of working with your anaerobic threshold there of going as fast as you can for as long as you can. So that's something I think also a lot of people kind of avoid because it's uncomfortable training. You know, going out for a run or doing a pack hike, you're kind of in that com- that comfort zone. But then when you start doing high, you know, bursts of energy, whether it be sprints or hill repeats or whatever it might be, that's where we're going to get uncomfortable. Our heart rates are going to rise. We're going to get nauseous and stuff like that. So that's where, uh, again, that's going to be critical if you're if you're hunting elk or something where you might have to have those short, fast bursts of speed.
1: Yeah, no that that makes sense. Yeah, I think one of the things like I always lack is I'll put that pack on and I'll set an unrealistic goal. I'll always achieve it. Just, just because it's, I'm for, you know, I force myself to do it and I do something stupid, like, yeah, I'm going to do, you know, 150 miles or 200 miles in, you know, this month and a half or whatever before season. And, and I do it and I force myself, but I feel like sometimes I'm almost depleting myself of, you know, strength in other areas because of that. Is that kind of a common occurrence that people do? They don't really, uh, they, they set a goal, they set out, they do it, but they don't, they don't maintain everything else that they should be doing or.
2: Right. Uh, I agree with you there. I think in this world of Cam Haines and Jocko and uh, and Goggins, which they're all great people. I love what they do. I love what they stand for. But uh, some of us have to put things into perspective and into reality. Do we have the time to train like they do? Do we have the resources like they do to get massages every day to, you know, whatever it might be so that we can recover on a daily basis to go out and do that? Most of us don't have that or don't have the time to do that. So I think the one thing that a lot of people do is they overtrain, not necessarily overtrain, they under recover. So they don't allow their bodies to recover. They go out and do a hike day after day after day, or they do the same thing day after day after day, instead of breaking that up, do a hike one day, do a high intensity training one day, do, you know, interval training, but you got to allow your body to recover. Otherwise, you're not going to get, you know, better, faster, stronger, whatever it might be, because that's really the only time that our bodies get uh, stronger or faster is during our recovery time. So you got to have your recovery time and your sleep is just as important as your training and with with folks that have little kids or a busy job you know, the recovery is the one thing that kind of lacks uh, for people's training. So we got to take that into consideration. Um, but again, like I said before, everybody's different. Everybody, people, some people need more recovery than other people. Uh, some people can go out, go out and do it day after day after day, but there will come a time when their bodies will start breaking down. Um, so yes, to your point, I think when you just focus on one thing, you're not going to be a well around it uh hunter you're not going to be uh as healthy and as fit as you could be so you got to have you got to mix things up and you can do stuff you don't ne- you don't need a gym membership i don't have a gym membership i train my clients in a small studio uh but i don't work out there i do all most of my stuff outside rather it be with a sandbag or with my backpack or whatever it might be so
1: yeah that's uh i mean like i when i said what i said I put the weighted pack on and I'll do those things, but I've noticed I even, I even neglect my, my shots, everything archery, right? I kind of lose focus on that and, and start focusing on the, uh, the aspect of the training and putting those miles in with that weighted pack on and, and doing all that kind of stuff or I, I and I, to your point of the recovery thing, I hate recovery days on my treadmill with the iFit. I skip those days <laughs> and I just go and pick a different trainer to run with. <laughs> it's it's kind of a problem, yeah. but um, I, I I don't know. I mean, what would you say to somebody like that? Would you tell them, okay, that's fine. You want to do something, pick something else or, you know, work on different different segments or what, what was, would the advice of that be?
2: Yeah, it could be both. It could be just lower your intensity down. It could be lower the time that you're training uh, down. Uh, I think a lot of people, they get so set on one thing and they become tunnel vision and narrow minded and with their training uh, schedule that try different things. I mean, foam rolling and stretching is is huge. Because uh, if we don't have, if our muscles aren't pliable, then when we actually work them, we're working them in a smaller range of motion. So instead of strengthening that muscle through the full range of motion, we're only strengthening it in a portion of that. So uh, I think during a lot, some recovery days, you should have some foam rolling, some stretching, whatever that might be, maybe a massage gun, whatever you know trips your trigger of that. But that's a, <laughs> a, a, a that, that's a big thing, uh, and then. Uh, do something that's different than what you would normally do, I guess. Uh, And it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't have to be going into a club, it could be taking your weighted backpack and doing different exercises with that weighted backpack. It's you can still get your heart rate up, you can still work your muscles, you're just working them either differently or working different muscles. So,
1: so two things on that one is when you say Weighted backpack, you mean your initial ascent pack, right? Is that that's <laughs> right. <laughs> just in case, uh, just in case uh, Joe's listening here. <laughs> right? And Joe and Dennis. Dennis, that's, um... Dennis, if you're listening, you heard that too, hopefully. Um, make your day. But um, yeah, you know, yeah. And then the other thing was, is like, I mean, w- so when you train your clients and they're going to hunt, do you incorporate archery and all that kind of stuff into their training?
2: Yes, uh, it all depends on who it is and how much time we have to train them. So uh, definitely the people that are coming to my hunter fitness class, archery is a big component of it. Uh, I have some one-on-one clients that I train uh, virtually or in person, and we incorporate some archery with that as well, too. So uh, we, yeah, we we do some exercises, we do some shooting uh, with an elevated heart rate uh, we shoot from different uh, stances, we might be shooting from the knees, we might be standing then kneeling, uh, you know, just different ways, uh, different things that you might encounter uh, when you're hunting and that kind of plays into then the whole beast mode archery challenge and kind of how we do stuff with that but um, but yes, uh, archery is a big component of it because you can be as fit as Cameron Haynes, but if you can't hit the broadside of a barn, it's not going to do you any good, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I've heard two schools of thought, which makes me think about that. When you talk about the elevated heart rate, I've heard some people say that you should practice and practice and practice without that elevated heart rate, just to get to where it's everything, your technique, your form is so perfect that even when you have an elevated heart rate, your body still kind of takes over that process and you shoot and you're consistently accurate. And then I've also heard, which I don't know, I haven't really looked into it enough myself, but practice with that elevated heart rate, so that way you can adjust. Even though the other people in the school of thought say that with that elevated heart rate, you're you're forcing those shots to be accurate under that heart rate, in which case you actually make yourself a worse shooter in the other direction. I don't know what. So what's kind of what's what's your thought on that? Because it sounds like uh, you're one of the guys that goes goes with elevated heart rate in practice yeah
2: that's a that's a great question for first of all i'm not an archery coach (laughs) so (laughs) uh but i i when i was competing so i would do both you know i would i would shoot a lot focusing on form doing a lot of 3d shoots you know and and without an elevated heart rate because i think you're right i think if if it's somebody who's relatively new to archery, they got to have a fun. They got to have the fundamentals, and they got to have a base. Uh, otherwise, yes, they they could l- learn bad habits through this type of training. So I do think that there needs to be proper mechanics before people really start doing this type of stuff. Um, but I also think that you need to do uh, if you're hunting the way that. I hunt, you know, backcountry, DIY, elk hunting. There's going to be times where you're going to be out of breath and you're going to come to full draw and you're going to have to focus on your breathing. And I guess for me, it's when when I'm training with an elevated heart rate, part of my training then is as I'm drawing back, as I'm getting my bow and drawing back, I'm taking deep breaths. I'm trying to slow my heart rate down and learn how to aim uh, with my heart pounding out of my chest. Uh, and I think there is, you can to a point separate, um, you know, the mind and the body and be able to still make a good shot, but it doesn't come natural. I don't think, at least for most people, you gotta, you gotta train like that and practice like that.
1: Yeah. Any of the time that I've ever worked to try and get an elevated heart rate and shoot, it's not a good shot. I mean, I can get it in a kill zone, but it is not a 10. It's never a 10 ring. And I've. <laughs> and when it first started, it was actually, I mean, it'd be like a neck shot or, you know, like really high shoulder or something on the target to where I wouldn't even be in that kill zone. Um, so I, I think there is something to be said for that as far as, you know, working your way up towards that. Because, I mean, I know that I definitely couldn't do it with that you know, excessively high heart rate. But then again, I've never actually had the opportunity to have a shot with that elevated heart rate like that. Normally it's a point where I can call myself down enough or, you know, I've been sitting in a tree stand or or something like that to where it's mostly mind over matter and adrenaline at that point that you're trying to fight, not necessarily an elevated, elevated heart rate from like cardio or, or, you know, something like that.
2: Right. I, I think there is some overlay there with training with an elevated heart rate or shooting with an elevated heart rate and buck fever. You know, uh, I think practicing, you know, even if it's just doing jumping jacks or something like that uh, for 30 seconds and making a shot. I think they're, you know, having an elevated heart rate and your blood pumping, it does simulate a little bit of, of what you get with, uh, you know, buck fever or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so you you, I think there I think that does help you know it is different I mean when you get buck fever that's more of a internal emotional that's increasing your adrenaline whereas jumping jacks is more of an external uh, uh, factor but it does in your mind your mind has to uh, overcome that the same way Um, there are guys you know some of the guys that do the events like Uh, Greg Hack and Brandon Hirsch, they're two of the guys that I train, and they've placed one and two, or in the top three, most of the events that they compete in, and they can, you know, be at that top tier in fitness, and they can shoot all hearts, you know, at the indoor event. I mean, it's a five-minute, fast-paced, high-intensity. Your heart's pounding, and they can still pull off heart shots on every shot. So it can be done. I mean, I think Brandon, even the one-round shot, all 12 rings. We don't count 12 rings, but he was able to get almost all of his arrows, even in the 12 ring, <laughs> while competing at a such at a very fast uh, route. But if you if you watch them, they usually take a little bit longer to shoot. So you know, like an, an indoor event, uh, it might be a five-minute round, and they're very quick, but they may not have the fastest uh, finish time. But because they take maybe just a three to four extra seconds to make that shot, they will usually, again, almost always hit a heart if not a lung, while most of the other competitors are maybe hitting lungs bodies and every once in a while they get a heart so i think it does it does help to take that few extra seconds to make that shot when you're talking about of you know the the fitness events that we do in that, real life <laughs> i think in real life that that's the same thing too
1: slow is smooth smooth as fast type thing um right yeah i mean right. i i kind of correlates to like three gun stuff and there's a guy that i knew that was kind of a bigger guy and he wasn't that fast. I mean he was older and he wasn't that fast, but he never ever missed. So he never had any time deductions for misses or shots that, you know, didn't hit on target. And he'd always qualify. I mean he wouldn't be, you know, in the number one spot, but he'd always qualify. He'd always be in, right. you know, that top 10 spot. So that's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. No, that's definitely yeah. cool. So speaking of all that and your events, let's kind of talk about those and uh, you know, kind of what they consist of, how you kind of came up with what they are and all that kind of stuff. Yeah,
2: you bet. Uh, so the B Smart Archery Challenge has evolved over the last three years. It started out as an indoor event to keep people motivated uh, during the winter here in Wisconsin. You know, to to keep us training uh, so that we can go into the springtime not being fifty pounds overweight. You know, it's it's something during the winter <laughs> to, to stay motivated. So that event was actually that started out. Um, as the Train to Hunt Indoor Archery Challenge. So that's when Kent and I teamed up uh, for tr- with Train to Hunt. I gave him, I told him what I was kind of doing. He's like, hey, let's make this a Train to Hunt event. And we kind of ran with it. Uh, and then that's when I became the director of Train to Hunt and stopped competing myself. And then after a year of that, I brought it back as Beast Mode Archery Challenge and then started, last year was the first year of having outdoor events. Of course, with the pandemic, it wasn't a good year, <laughs> a to start uh uh competitions um and and b to have them uh you know during that time frame. So the events last year looked a lot different than what they're going to this year, just because we have less restrictions and stuff. Uh, but they really span from uh fun 3D shoots to like the BMAC games, which is a fitness and archery challenge, to uh, uh, 3D scrambles, uh, like in two weeks on June, I'm sorry, May 22nd, we're doing the BMAC, uh, BMAC stands for Beast Mode Archery Challenge, for those of you that don't know, Uh, we're doing a BMAC swap meet and 3D shoot, so uh, swap meet for those of you who have no idea what a swap meet is which i'm <laughs> learning there's a lot of people i don't know what a swap meet is so it's where you can bring uh your hunting and archery gear that's sitting in your basement i have a bunch around me here or in your garage that's been collecting dust because i hate selling things online and i have a lot of gear that i've collected over the years so you can bring your gear to sell uh to trade with other people um or if you're new to archery, or you're thinking about going out west for your first hunt, and you don't know where to start, and you don't want to spend a lot of money on gear, this is a perfect place to come and see what people have. You might be able to get some really good deals on stuff that uh, will set you up for a, for an elk hunt, or maybe your first whitetail hunt. I know of people that are bringing gear, uh, you know, tree stands, or bringing bows, or bringing tents, they're bringing sleeping bags. I mean. The, a lot of different stuff. So that's kind of what a swap meet is. So we're having that on the 22nd of May at Tyrell Basin. Uh, And then we're also incorporating a 3D shoot of a 20 target 3D course set up uh, that people can shoot. Um, What else? We'll have Vector Custom Shop Arrows is going to be there. Uh, You can shoot some of their arrows, kind of play around with them. Uh, we'll have some other vendors there as well. Just going to be a good time. Uh, it's going to be Tyrell Basin's kind of opening kickoff weekend for the summer. They're going to have uh, their tavern open. We're trying to get a a band lined up for Saturday night to have some live music and stuff. So it's just kind of a a kickback, laid back time. So we have an event like that, and then our next event on June 12th and 13th is the BMAC Games. Uh, the BMAC Games is really an all-encompassing event uh, where we're going to test Archer's strength, stamina, endurance, their shooting abilities. It's a multi-stage two-day event at Tyrell Basin. Uh, Really looking forward to that. I think we have almost 50 people signed up for that. It's capped at 100. Uh, And, um, yeah, that's, that's like a big event. So last year's event, BMAC Games, looked a lot different than this year. We had a cap it at 35 people because of COVID numbers in our county. Uh, we couldn't have, we, I had to keep people separated. You know, there's just, it looked a lot different. So this year, it's going to be what I want it to be.
1: So, yeah. So with, with that being said, then, I mean, this is kind of like the summer Olympics of, like, archery challenges, right? I mean, right. Do you, what, what do you say to the guy that thinks he's just going to show up and do okay? Is it going to be a humbling experience? And the only reason I'm saying that is because I'm pretty sure I commented at one point that I'm just going to show up on one of your posts. <laughs> you know, it's, you will, you will
2: have fun. Okay. here Here's to you, to a person that probably hasn't trained much nope. or at all, <laughs> but you love archery and you want to be fit or you want to be active and do something to just to motivate you and something to do. Right. So here's what you're going to get out of it. Number one, you're going to have fun. Number two, you're going to meet a group of people that are going to cheer you on and will be a very close-knit family by the time the event is over with. That is really what these events are about, is bringing like-minded people together that have a passion and love bow hunting and the outdoors. And we just want to do, we want to push ourselves to be the best that we can be yes, it's a competition, yes, we're going to award the top male and female and people in their each age group, but really, those guys that are on the podium are going to be cheering you on just as much as the people on the sidelines cheering you on. I mean, that's what's so cool about these events that I, I have a hard time explaining it until people actually come and experience it for the first time. You really have no idea what type yeah. of person that family it is, uh, but we, you know, we have people. We have guys that are signed up that I think the oldest guy is in his Uh, sixties. Dave, uh, he's, is he six? No, I'm, he might be fifties. I I don't want to, hopefully he's not listening, (laughs) but, but Dave has had, he had two knee replacements last year and he's coming out and doing it. He's not going to be the fastest guy, but he's going to finish it. So that's, what's cool is that we have elite athletes that are doing this, that would probably challenge any elite. Not saying that they're more fit than Cam Haynes, but if guys like them showed up, some of these guys that you have no idea who they are because they're not on social media, but they are yeah. true hardcore athletes uh, and they love bow hunting, they will be there. And then yet we still have guys that had knee replacements or have had a broken back or, you know, haven't worked out, but they're going to use this as motivation to start to kind of kickstart their workout for this hunting season. So it's really all across the board. So uh, you're going to have a good time. You're going to learn probably where your weaknesses are, whether that be fitness wise or shooting, you know, the, 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 The stage, what I call the harvest stage, the 3D shoot, it's not your typical 3D shoot that you might go to at a local club. Every shot has a unique scenario that you might encounter when hunting. So it might be a shot where uh, you have 20 seconds to get from where you're standing to where the shooting stake is. And where you're standing right now, you can't see the target. You have no idea what the target is. But you have 20 seconds to rush up uh range find it and make the shot okay odds are it's going to be like an elk or something like that to kind of mimic you know an elk over the ridge bugling and you're going to get up there you, you make con you make eye contact or you can you get the your eyes on the on the target and you make the shot so but my point is that a lot of different scenarios it's not a boring 3d shoot um I guess we probably should go over exactly all the stages if you want. You want to break that up?
1: Yeah, no, totally. Okay. Another thing is, is I'm kind of curious. So the whole time your bow is either on your pack or in your hand, right? Right. So the first stage, Saturday morning, is what I call the beast course.
2: So the beast course is going to be for the Wisconsin event. We have one in Wisconsin, one in Pennsylvania. But the Wisconsin event is going to be around a 5K. Right now, it's about 3.1, 3.2 miles, give or take a little bit. Uh, you're going to have your pack and for a guy, your age, you're under 40, right? You're a young
1: guy. Well, not that young, okay. but <laughs> creeping up on it.
2: <laughs> so you're going to have a pack and you're going to have to be responsible to have a pack that weighs 40 pounds. Okay. And then that course you're going to have, you can either carry your bow in your hand or you can strap it to your backpack. Uh, I recommend having trekking poles and probably boots or something with good ankle stability because I take you over the most challenging three miles that Tyrell Basin has to offer. You're going to be running up, I say running, probably walking, hiking up a drainage ditch that will probably have water in it if it rains beforehand. Uh, You're going to be running up, uh, again, hiking up uh, a double black diamond slope, so here in southern Wisconsin our hills aren't real long but they're very very steep so what I mean by length they might be two to 250 foot in elevation change and but you might only be horizontally moving 50 yards so very very steep terrain not real long climbs but very very steep so that's the beast course we'll probably have one or two targets that you're gonna have to shoot on that course uh so it's gonna be up to you if you strategize if you put the bow on your pack so you can move quicker, or do you keep it in your hand so you don't have to fumble around with taking your ball off your pack when it comes to the target you have to shoot? Uh there's also gonna be new for this year a uh, portion or a spot on that course where you're gonna have to stop and use your binoculars to spot something. Okay. Mm. I'm not gonna say what it is until right. th- game time. <laughs> But it's going to be something where you're going to have to look with your binoculars and you're going to have to write down. It's going to be obvious what it is, but you're not going to be able to see it with the naked eye. And you're going to have to write that down on pen and paper. Because then, after the end of that first stage, the beast course, you'll have your time that it took you to complete that. Okay. And then, depending on how you shot the targets, you're going to get a time penalty or a bonus. And then, if you were able to identify the object that I have there, with your binoculars, you'll get a time bonus if you're identified it or a penalty if you didn't. So, that's the first stage. Second stage is the what I call the pursuit stage. That's kind of where we're going to replicate that higher intensity training where it might be that last 5 minutes we're going after that bugling bull and we got to get after him. So, we're going to do exercises or challenges that we would replicate in the wilderness. So, we're going to have a hoist. So that hoist is going to replicate, you know, lifting up your meat bag or lifting up your food bag to keep them keep it away from the bears or something like that. So it's going to be a weight that you're going to have to hoist up, probably 10 or 15 feet. You probably have to do that a few times, okay? And then you'll make a shot on a target. Then you'll uh, move to the next challenge, which might might be a, a sled drag to replicate dragging that big buck out of the woods, right? <laughs> We're not always have the weight on our pack, so we might be dragging that, that weight, might have to drag that sled 100 yards or 200 yards and make a shot. Then we will have an over under because with hunting public land, I know we've all encountered deadfall. <laughs> so going up and over, going having to crawl underneath stuff, that's all a part of hunting. So we're going to have some over under obstacles that you'll have to be able to maneuver and again, make a shot. We'll have some type of balance, hopefully some type of balance obstacle. That's what we're going to be working on this next week is setting up, um, you know, if we can get our hands on some telephone poles or something and be able to, you know, the balance across that, just like if we're, you know, my buddy, John Uh and I, we had a, we had to walk across a, a downfall tree over a creek to get to the other side. So again, things that we would encounter rather be here in the Midwest or out West, it's gonna be a fast paced chan- uh, course, um, might last five to 10 minutes to complete that with four targets on that course. So again, you have your time that you completed it and then how well you shot. So people are gonna be like, well, how does the scoring work for the targets? you will be if you shoot a lung that's a vital there's no time penalty or bonus if you shoot a heart then you'll get a time bonus so you might get maybe 3 minutes taken off of your t- overall time mm. if you shoot a a body it might be a 3 minute penalty and a miss would be maybe a 2 minute penalty so we penalize more for a body than a miss because in real world situations if you hit a body, wound an animal, it's going to take you a lot longer. You're going to be tracking that animal. You don't know if it's going to be, if it's a fatal wound, you're going to be looking, you know, it just takes you a lot longer, right? Yeah. So that's why we give a, a more of a penalty for a body than a miss. Uh, so that's the second stage, the pursuit stage. Third stage, which will be Saturday afternoon, early evening, is the uh, harvest stage, basically the 3D shoot that we we're talking about. So a 15 to 20 target 3D course that you'll be traversing through uh, the hills of Tyro Basin or uh, out in Pennsylvania. It's a very hilly venue that we have out there. So we'll have a lot of shots. We're shooting off of a cliff. We'll have steep uphill shots, uh, shots where it might be angled, uh, maybe a quarter and away shot, whatever it might be. So uh, the third stage is a 3D shoot. And then for the Wisconsin event, Sunday morning is the pack out stage. So that's where we're going to have the heavy uh, pack. So for a guy like you, you're going to have 80 pounds on your back nice. <laughs> that you're going to have to pack up the hill. So, uh, I think for, for men and, uh, the open men 40 and under it's 80 for guys, 40 and over it's 70 and 50 and over it's 60. So, I I tailor the weight depending on your age group. Same with women. I think women women's open is sixty pounds, and it drops to fifty and forty. I can't remember all that's on the website, but uh, so that's the pack out stage. You won't have to carry your bow, but you're going to have to carry a lot of weight. Uh, I have there's the option to sign up as a team, and right now I think we have ten teams signed up. So the advantage of signing up as a team, you do the Uh, the beast course the first three stages you do together okay and your score counts together so if you have a really fast guy as a a teammate and you're a couch potato (laughs) the couch potato's time is going to count so you have to cross the finish line at the same time so you do things as a team as you and your hunting partner you you know you're stuck together for the duration of your hunt and you're going to everything is going to count together so, uh, except for when it comes to the pack out stage. So for you, 80 pounds, if for guys that haven't been training a lot, and that's, it seems like a lot of weight, find a buddy and sign up because you get to split that weight for the pack out.
1: What is, so you, <laughs> you what do if- you, you would have to
2: <laughs> carry 40 and your buddy would have to
1: carry 40 so what if uh what could you get like a a bonus or like take time away from your time or something if you say i'm going to carry 100 pounds or something like that instead (laughs) well you know what i just decided
2: on 80 pounds last
1: week i was going to do 100
2: pounds uh because you know that just it's 100 pounds you know it
1: just sounds like that could mess some people up though if they're not ready for that
2: (laughs) right and it really came down to The the same guys that are going to probably win with 80 pounds would win with a hundred pounds, right? It's I'm watching out for the guys that haven't been training a lot because most guys under 40 can handle 80 pounds, even if you haven't been training. Yeah, it's going to suck. You know, it's not, it's not, not going to feel well.
1: It's only unpleasant but... for like the first three miles. Then after that, you can't feel it anyway.
2: <laughs> well, the pack out stage is going to be short. Oh, okay. It, 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 it's probably, I'm not going to say how long it's going to be short, I, short relative to the B scores. It's not going to be three miles long. Okay. Okay. It's probably going to be a, a trip up to the top of the ski hill. We might do some meandering to get up there. It may not be a straight shot but it's not going to be a real long course. I'm not having people go downhill with that weight. It's going to be all uphill because that's when people can get injured yep. is going downhill with 80 or you know hundred pounds on their back. That's especially during a competition. I mean, you have guys during the train to hunt championship a few years ago that I competed then, you know, we had a hundred pounds on our back and we're you know running and doing stupid things because you know, we wanted to get there, but you know, my, my number one worry is that somebody gets injured. Yeah, I do not want anybody to get injured at this. I want people to have fun and to push themselves. So people have to be smart when they do this. They have to know their boundaries. you right. If you have to stop and take a break, take a break, you know? Uh, so that's why I brought it down from my initial thought of a hundred pounds to 80 pounds. Cause I'm like, most people can handle that. And, um, uh, just less likely for people to, you know, to hurt themselves.
1: No, I totally agree with that. That is, uh, that is something that, you know, if, if somebody's not used to that, that uh, definitely could hurt them. I like, I like to think that it's a Midwest packout, not a uh, West packout, but <laughs> it's definitely shorter right. shorter than your average Western packout, right? Um, you know, for most people, I guess, I don't know. But
2: right. Well, I do have, uh, so I have two divisions for the BMAC games. I have the Mountain Beast and I have the Covert Beast. So the Covert Beast division is is for the kind of the Midwestern hunter. Everything is the same. You you use less weight for the, uh, for the first three stages. So for men's open, I think instead of 40, it's 30 pounds. And then for the pack out stage on Sunday, you're not packing out, you're dragging out. So you're going to have a heavy oh. sled <laughs> that, that, that you would drag. So at least, at least it's not on your, on your pat, on your back or on your uh, back. But to be honest with you, out of the almost 50 people we have signed up, only two people are signed up for that division.
1: So, <laughs> so if anybody's <laughs> listening and you're in shape and you think you could do it, you might be a shoe in <laughs> if if you want an easy win, but who wants that, right? I mean, let's face it. You, if you want to compete, you want to be the competitor, not, not the guy who shows up to get the participation trophy, but. <laughs> right. I, I, I might do away with the covert division. If if nobody
2: else signs up for that in the next couple of weeks, I might contact these two people who are signed up and say, Hey, how about you, you, you bump up to the beast division. And if you're worried about that weight, how about you two form a team together? So, and <laughs> you, you can, you, you can form co-ed teams and you can have teams of different age groups.
1: Ooh, so that would be say, a bonus,
2: right? <laughs> yeah. So if you signed up, let's say the both of us signed up as a team, you're under 40, I'm a, over 40. So you would only carry 40 pounds because that's half the 80 pounds that's required of you since I'm over 40, I'm going to be carrying 70 pounds, but only half of that would be 35. So that's kind of how the teams break up. So people of different age groups and male and female can sign up. And then you are responsible for carrying the weight of your actual division and category. So
1: Hmm. Nice.
2: So complex. I I know I'm making a much more complex. I got to be honest
1: though. I mean, I think I would rather do a pack out. Than a drag out because if there's one thing that shows you what physical condition you're in in November or you know October is when you do that drag out. It could be a half mile or you know just a couple hundred yards through some really rough terrain, and that shows you where you're at with your physical fitness. There is like there's no getting around it. Plus you got all your other crap on your back, right? Unless you're the guy that goes back for it. I don't know. Normally when I do this, I just want it one and done. And get out of the mm-hmm. woods and <laughs> it gets tough. Yeah.
2: It, it it's very tough. I mean, my buddy John, he shot a buck uh public land this past, I think it was uh Halloween weekend. And it was not too far from my house. He called me and said, Hey, I got a buck on the ground. He was at least a mile and a half back in. And was a swamp, so it was pretty flat, but it was all kind of gently sloping downhill from yep. the parking lot. <laughs> I tell you what, that thing, that bucket took us over an hour and a half to drag out. We had, and we both had our initial ascent packs.
1: I saw, I saw we, the pictures, man. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we, Cause we, we, we thought that I was like, all right, let's quarter it out and carry it on. I was like, but John, I was like, I have this crazy idea for the BMAC games this coming year. So I want to test out just to see how much of a suck fest it is to drag this deer a mile and a half to the car. So instead of packing it out in our packs, we drag it out in a sled, and uh, it's it was it was a sock fest. I mean, people <laughs> think that it, you know just dragging something is going to be a lot easier, but no, it, it is <laughs> not. <laughs> well, that's
1: like so. My dear, this year one of them that I got, I ended up I had to drag it. It was only about two hundred yards to my canoe, and my canoe with the gear and me in it went just fine over like. Two inches of water, maybe three. I don't know. But by the time I put the, my gear and the deer in it and started dragging that canoe back out, I couldn't get that canoe out through the mud. And I sunk straight in that mud all the way up to my knees. And I had to push that another probably like 60 yards through the mud. It was absolutely terrible. <laughs> and I just kept thinking the whole time I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. This is crazy. How am I going to get around this? And it was just, there wasn't anything I could do like with a mechanical advantage or anything that would have made a difference at that point. And it was like, man, I'm just going to have to suck it up, go through it. And it was literal inch at a time until I got that thing out. And then it was just like sweet freedom. My pants are covered, everything's covered in mud, but I'm in there and I'm finally just like push pulling out.
2: That's awesome. (laughs) And it it tastes, it tastes so much better now, right?
1: (laughs) That was, it was totally, I mean, it felt earned. You know what I mean? Like it totally felt earned because just the whole experience every morning going in, doing that, trying to get into that spot and just fighting it. And yeah, it was awesome though. It was totally awesome.
2: That's awesome. So yeah, so we have that event in June 12th and 13th. The following weekend, I'm doing a beast mode trail trek at Tyrell Basin, Um, basically just a trail run. I'm trying something new for that. Uh, And then June 26th and 27th, we have uh, the BMAC games in Pennsylvania. So we'll be out there at the Meadowcroft uh, Rock Shelter and Historic Village in Western PA. So that will be a a one-day event uh, on June 26th, the BMAC game. So it'll be a modified BMAC games from Wisconsin. It'll be the first three stages. We won't probably be doing the pack-out stage. And then on Sunday, uh, we're going to have a 40-target 3D course out there. Uh, So it's two kind of two separate events on one weekend in Pennsylvania. So looking forward to that. Hopefully uh, get uh, some people registered and sign up for that coming up here pretty soon. Uh, then after that, then we have our big 3D shoot here in Wisconsin, July 30th through August 1st. And that's the what we call the King of the Hill 3D. Uh, and we had that last year. We it, had about
1: 100. Is that physical f- stuff or is it just a 3D shoot?
2: nope that's just a 3d shoot the only physical part is it's going to be a physically challenging course to to walk on
1: at tyrol basin still or is it yeah. yep okay yep,
2: that one's at tyrol basin so so that event is um a three-day event you can sign up for one day two days three days you i guess for those of them those listeners i've done like a total archery challenge or mountain archery fest it's kind of laid out like that where you have a shoot time that you sign up for just to keep So there's not a lot of congestion uh, at on the course. We hope to have live music Saturday night uh, and some other festivities going on that that entire weekend. So we had about 140 shooters at it last year, and they all loved it, and uh, they all said they're coming back with more buddies. So that's that's why we opened up. (laughs) We opened it up on Friday instead of just Saturday Sunday. It's Friday through Sunday now, and uh, yeah, it's just it's a great time it's laid back you can keep score if you want uh but you're shooting targets on terrain that you usually don't get to shoot on that kind of simulates western hunting uh the shots are difficult shots for the most part bring a lot of arrows Um, (laughs) i hate that (laughs) (laughs) so uh but no it's it's a great time it's like i said it's laid back that That's kind of thing with my events. Yeah, you know, the BMAC games, it's, you know, it's a competition, but it's also kind of laid back in a way too. My 3D shoots, I like, I've shot a lot of 3D events in my life uh, from, you know, money shoots to laid back grassroots type shoots. And I like the combination of the two. I like the, the laid back style, but also having awards or maybe some events where maybe some of my scrambles or some of my smaller events we have cash payouts or whatever but it's usually geared towards the bow hunter you know I, I haven't had any events yet that have been geared towards the target archer um just because bow hunting is you know is that's what I am that's who I am that's what I want to stand for and those are the types of people that I want to support and have cool events because there's a lot of events out there for the target archers, but there's not a lot of great events for, you know, the, the average bow. Yeah. yeah. The hunter. So.
1: No, that's awesome. So I appreciate you coming on and uh, telling us about the events and kind of answering some questions about fitness and hopefully, you know, helps somebody with their kind of their journey. And if uh, they need some advice or counseling or coaching, Where can they find you? And then also maybe tell us where they can, once again, the dates for your events coming out.
2: You bet. So I have two Instagram pages, uh, GFB Outdoors and Beast Mode Archery. Uh, The GFB Outdoors is more geared towards the fitness and training. And obviously Beast Mode Archery is more about the events and stuff like that. Uh, On Facebook, again, Beast Mode Archery. And then I believe my other one, it's not GFB Outdoors. I think it's Get Fit with Brian if they search that. Uh, on YouTube, um, I should pop up if you just search Brian Austin uh, or if you search beast mode archery, that should pop up. But I only have one YouTube channel and I think it's just under my personal name for that. But uh, on YouTube, I have a lot of videos from uh, the different events, uh, you know, past and future. Um, and some uh, workout exercises. I have a, a workout video on there where I just use the initial ascent backpack. Uh, so I have a lot of different stuff on a YouTube channel. Um, email beastmodearchery at gmail.com if they wanna email me. Um, yeah, that's the uh, the best way to, to, to reach out. Um, my cell number is on my website. Uh, if they wanna call, feel free to call texting is the best way if they have a question that they want to want me to get back to right away especially if it's about the event or something coming up but uh, most of that stuff can be found at beastmodarcherychallenge.com there's a website where they can learn all about the all the different events that we have the dates the registration is on there uh, gfboutdoors.com is my other website for my personal training and fitness stuff uh, I know I have too much crap that i know it's, it's all good man it's all organized um but yeah the the date so may 22nd is the swap meet and 3d shoot at tyro basin uh on that sunday we'll probably do a pack hike and we might i might open up the 3d course for a few hours as well too if people want to come shoot on that sunday oh i forgot on that saturday during the swap meet we're also doing a clinic uh, my buddy, John is doing a clinic on, on saddle hunting on how to hunt out of a tree saddle using the trophy line, tree saddles, uh, you know, just the benefit that maybe the pluses and minuses to tree saddle hunting and stuff like that. So we have that going on. And then I'm also doing a clinic because doing what I do and training people and doing these events, that's something I see a lot of people doing wrong is how to pack your pack correctly. <laughs> Both for the events, but then also for hunting as well too. So that makes a huge difference in the comfort of of uh, of doing the events and and backcountry hunting is making sure your pack is packed correctly. So we got that at the swap meet. Uh, June twelfth and thirteenth is the bmac Games again at Tyro Basin here in Wisconsin. Uh, again, registration, you can find out all the info at beastmodearcherychallenge.com. Uh, June 19th is the beast mode trail Trek, something new that I'm doing. Haven't really promoted it yet, but that's going to be basically a trail run, uh, at Tyro Basin, probably a very similar, if not the same course from the previous weekend. Uh, June 26th and 27th BMAC games in Pennsylvania. Uh, again, that's on the website and western pennsylvania uh we have the bmac games on saturday and a 40 target 3d shoot on sunday two separate events if you want to sign up for one or the other or both people can do that and then um uh, july 29th or i'm sorry july 30th through august 1st is the king of the hill 3d the big fun 3d shoot here in wisconsin again that's on the website there's tea times i call them shoot times that you can sign up for Online, uh, and then just be looking. Uh, probably the best place to stay up to date is on my social media pages. In terms of uh, some th- some three D scrambles, you know, some other three D shoots that we're gonna kind of start popping up and just doing them. You know, I might just decide the week of or the week before, as weather permits, uh, of just doing smaller events at Tyro Bay. Tyro Basin is a great venue. It's thirty minutes from my house. Nathan uh, is become a very good friend of mine. He's a new owner. He's he's owned it for three years and he's really turning things around there. And uh I got him into bow hunting. And uh it's it's just been a great relationship and none of this would have been wouldn't be around if 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 we wouldn't have uh connected and uh and he's allowing for a lot of this stuff to happen. So
1: that's awesome. No, I, I think like your area, uh you know, where you live in Tyrol basin and all that, it's probably one of the the places in the Midwest that can closely replicate things out in the West. I mean, no, it's not the same, but as close as we're going to get. Right. I mean, as far as the Midwest, without the exception of a few, but like, you know, Illinois, you don't really have too many places like that, that are that, that big. So that's pretty cool. Um, Thank you so much for coming on, sharing all all the things that you did share and uh, talking about your events. Um, Hopefully, you know, people show up and it's an awesome thing and who knows maybe i'll even be there too um well
2: well i th- i think not to put you on the spot here buddy but <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but i th- you know we have four and a half weeks it's four weeks from this coming saturday oh, oh, so you have four weeks to train okay <laughs> uh i i think your listeners want to see you compete and i mean just from the listeners that i know around here that listen to your podcast are like is this guy going to come do this or what (laughs) so we'll see we'll see i think you're i think you're going to have to come and and participate and get a feel for it firsthand
1: absolutely all right we'll see (laughs) we'll see if we can make it happen um i appreciate it man thanks for coming on
2: you bet. i appreciate your time and i appreciate the listeners listening and and uh, yeah uh, just thank you for this opportunity
0: Miss. thursdays with saltwater experience brought to you by golden boat lifts every thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment through the blackwater bayous and in the dark louisiana night floats a duck camp alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of cajun cooking for